Well, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Ryan Clayton Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, on this episode, I'm really excited to share it with you guys. I have a guest on today. Um, actually, this was another YouTube Live that I recorded last night, Tuesday night, uh, November 10th. Uh, so I'm actually I'm trying to get this out the day after. And that's what I'm going to try and do with these uh, YouTube Live episodes. I'm going to try and put them out on the podcast the day after. So you should... Hopefully, uh, if things go well moving forward, you should be able to pick these up um, Wednesday morning uh, or Wednesday afternoon, probably. That's when I'm going to try and be posting these. Uh, but yeah, like I said, really excited for this episode. Uh, I have a guest on. His name is Grant Barnett. He's an incredibly fast ultra runner. He's also a through hiker. He's hiked the AT and the PCT. Um, let's see, he's got 200 milers under his belt. The first one was the Wasatch 100. The second one was the No Business 100. And he ended up getting second at the No Business 100, just behind Carl Meltzer, the greatest ultra runner of all time. Uh, and, uh, he actually ran with Carl for about 60 miles or so. Uh, and so on this episode, we kind of talk about that. We kind of break down how he got into ultra running, what it's like, uh, kind of like leading a race, running at the front of the pack, and then kind of just a few stories about running, uh, with the greatest of all time, Carl Meltzer. <laughs> so thank you guys for joining. Um, like I said, I'm really, really excited to share this one with you guys. Uh, so bear with uh, me a little bit, the audio, uh, it was, you know, we recorded obviously over the internet. And so, um, there's a few, there's a few times where it's kind of like a, a little bit hard to understand a few of the words he's saying, but you know, in this time, this is the best we have. So yeah, with all that said, thank you so much for joining and I'm going to stop talking right now and get right into the interview. Man, uh, yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. I actually, uh, I during this race, I think I only saw you for about five seconds, and that was at the start line. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so um, why don't we just start off? Why don't you just give a little rundown of like who you are, where you're from, um, and uh, kind of like um, how your recovery is going from no business? Uh, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, so my name is Grant Barnett. For those who don't know me, uh, I'm from Lenore, North Carolina, just like an hour and a half west of Asheville. So it's not quite a crazy mountainous area, but uh, it's nice. You have a lot of options around it, which is nice. Yeah, um, recovery-wise, oof, the first week and a half, couldn't really walk that well, and I was having to work. So that was a tough process. But right now, I was doing a couple like five mile road runs just to actually move the legs back again. It feels weird. I got some uh, kinks in the legs, but uh, it's kind of what happens after running a hundred. Nice. So how many how many actual full days off did you take after the race? I'm just curious. <laughs> At least a week. At yeah. least a week. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no running. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I think I took. I took like. Four, I think I took five days off and tried to run on the sixth day, and that was a mistake. Uh, my heart and lungs were not back to being ready to run. Um, but really, really didn't get back into any sort of like daily running or anything for like two weeks or so. But 
Yeah, yeah, the lungs take forever to really get back into the process. My lungs were killing me the other day, and really, oh, it, yeah, it's wild to think about. Just uh, yeah. just not really, that little amount of time, you're already like, wow, am I out of shape? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, how did your running start? Um, were you like a runner, like in grade school, high school, college, anything like that? So, I definitely started. I never knew cross country was a thing. Uh, mm. I was a big athlete in high school and my junior year I found out that cross country was a thing and decided to go out for it and uh was never really like was definitely towards the lead pack but I was more of like a 17 25k guy my junior year and yeah. just without any training or doing any sort and that's kind of how I got into it was just doing other sports that involved running that kind of helped out with the running I guess and uh we found out that if I actually trained I could be somewhat good <laughs> So nice. I kind of, yeah. that sucked just a little more running and senior year went a lot better with like a 17-10. But, you know, I just had my mind on so many other sports. It was kind of hard to keep it on one thing. Yeah. What were those other sports? Uh, I was big soccer, track, and wrestling. Yeah, and wrestling. Yeah, wrestling was actually one of my bigger sports. Nice. I think yeah. where I was a pretty good, you know, went to the state level and about fifth of states my senior year and that was like really what I wanted to do but I guess just for the mental toughness part of it but I know once I figured out running it was everything else was done I was just hooked on running yeah that's awesome uh I had like I played soccer from age like four all the way through senior year in high school um and that like I always kind of like had running as well uh, like I would kind of like run with some of the cross country guys, like over the summer and stuff, um, in high school, but soccer four seasons every year. Uh, and I didn't yeah. really start running until, until kind of like college, like kind of like taking it a little bit more seriously, but not like on college team or anything. Um, just like personal. Uh, but then really not until after college did I actually get into more of like a routine of it, but so that's yeah. cool. Well, I love the soccer, the soccer workouts, you know, where you just, yeah. you're constantly using that second gear and short intervals. So that was kind of cool to kind of right. be a pro runner now to kind of see that. It's like, yeah. it's weird. It's really like, there are so many similarities, uh, to how you have to like have your, like your body control and just being able to like soccer, like the sport, it's like, you know, they call it the beautiful sport for a reason. I mean, you have to like, it's, he, there's so much technique and so much like flow involved so it really does transfer over to trail running that's cool i never really i never really connected oh, yeah. the dots like that but that's awesome yeah um so everyone that's joined right now thank you so much uh if you have any questions uh for grant um like especially uh like once we get into kind of like talking about like uh, like, uh, more like race breakdown, gear, nutrition, stuff like that. Definitely drop your questions in the chat for him. Uh, if I see him, I'll pop him in here and ask him. Um, but yeah, so, um, what do you do like outside of running? Like, do you have a job or like a family or what do you do outside of running? Well, I'm, uh, I don't have any kids or anything that I know yeah. of them. <laughs> during the last three months i'm kind of a seasonal ski bum to be totally honest for the past okay. two years yeah living skiing in utah doing a lot of backcountry wow. stuff. 
and uh, which is also just a great cross training to running. Wow. Before that, I mean, after that a little bit, you know, when this thing called COVID came in, it's uh, I got a job over living remotely in Cherokee National Forest, working for ACE, which is American Conservation Experience, working on trails and on restoration. So I was living extremely okay. remote out in the mountains of Tennessee and was able to kind of train on the side for no business, which was, which was good. You know, it was, wow. but other than that, kind of just a, a seasonal worker, you know, didn't really go the college route. Like a lot of people go, I've kind of tried, try not to make it sound too cliche, but try to live my life based on outdoor sports or through hiking or just in general mountain stoutness. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, so I assume the like all that work and everything being outside being in the mountains and everything um there's probably so many uh like skills and like just kind of like just general like mountain awareness and comfortability like being out in the woods and everything like do you find a lot of that transfers over to um running hundreds and uh running on trails yeah oh totally especially like the job i was working at it was just it was really, it was a good job. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. We were outside 10 hours a day. And then even if we weren't outside, we were living at some church Presbyterian camp that mm-hmm. was, you know, down, which was awesome. But so it's, you constantly have all these factors of just outdoor sports and things you can do on the side of jobs and stuff. And even with through hiking, you know, you're hiking 10 to 13 hours a day and then you're sleeping outside. It's just, you know... Yeah. I think I feel, I feel like it transfers greatly into a hundred where yeah. you're going to be out there that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you have a coach for running? I, not, uh, I yeah. definitely, we have a little team in Salt Lake city called the Bonneville barnstormers. Uh-huh. And, uh, we kind of just give each other a little bit of coaching material. Cause a couple of those guys have been kind of on the side coaches and, uh, it's good to have uh, good friends that don't charge you anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you kind of go back and forth from like North Carolina to Utah. Um, yeah, mainly just because of, I mean, I'd probably still be living in Utah, but when COVID hit our mm-hmm. ski shut down that I was working at mm-hmm. and uh, I had no idea what this thing was. I just knew that we were getting 150 cancellations a day for a lodge that's supposed to be in full capacity at that wow. time. And mm-hmm. I, my parents immediately when our lodge got shut down because I was panicked and I had no idea what to do. And I told them, I said, I'm driving 30 hours back to North Carolina. I, I would rather spend some time at home than try and deal with everything that was happening at the time. And it is just a tough transition. I mean, you go from running up mountains, 11,000 feet, feet mountains every day, just to come back, yeah. you know, love North Carolina, but it's, it's not quite Utah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So what, um, like, I guess, uh, I want to kind of talk about like how you got into ultras. Like what was your first like experience? Uh, like when did you first find out about ultra marathons? Like, was it a friend or was it something you saw online or, uh, how'd you first find out about ultras and what'd you think? I, you know, I, I knew about ultras, not quite the extent that, uh, it is you know it's such a big yeah. community and i had no idea about it but i just remember being on the appalachian trail in 2016 through hiking it and uh 
I ended up running into, you know, Carl Meltzer, who was going for the speed record that year. Uh, you were on at the same time as him? Yeah, I, I met him. Uh, everything, <laughs> wow. And I was actually, he had that documentary that came out, the uh, yeah. Made to be Broke. And yeah. I was actually in that documentary for like 10 seconds. Uh, oh, my gosh. I, yeah, I was hiking off Mount Musilock in New yeah. Hampshire. I came upon like this group of 10 like cameramen, and it's kind of freaky. And they were just like, hey, you're a hiker? And like, yeah. And they yeah. were just like, can we interview you? I was like, oh, my gosh. Sure. Yeah, and then Carl awesome. comes down. And he's my idol. I mean, so it was. Yeah. That's how I first figured out somewhat about ultras because I knew his running background, but I had never like seen a 50k or any race go down. If that makes any sense. It was yeah. about him and how he had excelled at the hundred mile distance, and I was really stoked on that. Even though I was not about to do a hundred miles at that time. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Though. I mean, and then doing the uh, the PCT the next year, kind of they had some races out there during some of the sections we were on. So I kind of got to see what that was about. And just it was so cool. I mean, you're just hiking this trail and, you know, runner right behind you. So you're like getting off the side and they got the bib number. And there's just so many people. I thought that people were like cheering for me. But no, there's just a bunch of runners. <laughs> behind me, and I was like, oh, OK, like this is really cool. Like what's what's going on here? You know, it's yeah. just a great so did you do both the AT and the PCT all the way? Yeah, I went nice. straight through. Nice. Um, the PCT was definitely, you know, just California, Oregon gets on fire every year some way, somehow. So that was kind of a tough one. I don't really have quite like a continuous footpath through that one, and I'll be honest about that. But there was definitely just one of those moments where you have to change your mindset really quickly of, okay, I'm not going to be able to walk every mile of this trail because some of it's closed down. So you yeah. kind of just have to set your ego aside and just be like, well, I'm going to hike as much of it as I can. So it, that's just the best way to explain that. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, still incredible accomplishment, man. I mean, huge kudos for that. Um, like, yeah, we went like backpacking out in California one time a couple years ago, uh, just, uh, it was uh, a few miles uh, south of Mount Whitney. So it was like really close to like John Muir Trail, like that kind of area. Um, And just absolutely beautiful. We spent like five days just hiked. I mean, it wasn't a huge loop. It was uh, my wife and I, um, but it was uh, just, just incredible out there. Um, Some of my favorite views I think I've ever seen were out there. I mean, the Sierras are definitely my favorite part of the trip, mainly because, like, the snowpack or just the views, like you said. I mean, you got a fort looking at you. Right. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, So kind of what was your progression? Like, what was, uh, like, uh, your first couple, like, ultras? Like, did you start with a typical 50K or did you jump into something higher? It definitely started with a typical 50K. Uh, I think it was Eastern Divide in, uh-huh. in Virginia, I believe. And that was really good. That was a, a fun experience. And, you know, I just being like a cross-country runner, you never think you're going to go that distance. And yeah. you translate it to the trails and you're like, wow, I did go that distance. And yeah. it, it, was, it was a suffer fest for sure. I mean, the first one's always, always I think, is going to be one of the hardest. It's so usually just like a couple – I think I did – 
150k and then like a 25k and then i did a 50 miler at the end of that year because i had been being in utah so i've I've really only been doing ultras since 2018 i would Mm -hmm. say after after through hiking was over i pretty much got stoked on running again and i haven't even thought about this in quite that's what i was going to ask you if you had (laughs) i forgot (laughs) to ask you that if you thought about the uh C CDT Continental Divide. You haven't thought about that yet. Yeah, Yeah. I've heard that's kind of like I've heard that's the hardest one (laughs) out of the three. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, like if I had to, I've been on like a couple sections when I was road tripping. Nothing like serious, mainly like the Colorado Trail sections. And yeah, I uh, I, grizzly bears get me really freaky. And I I started alone on the AT and the PCT. So it was one of those things where I was like, I got to get a group of people together because I don't want to yeah. be that guy. <laughs> yeah, no way. No way. Uh, so you said, so you say your first couple ultras were like a suffer fest. Um, what was, um, what was that like? Uh, just kind of like transitioning into that. Like, were you competitive right away? Were you, um, was it something where you were like uh, fascinated with it, but hated it? Or did you love it right from the beginning? I loved it right from the beginning. Uh, I think I ran that first 50K. It was like a flatter course. It was like three or four K avert. And I think I ran it like 429 or something, which was absolutely just, I think it was probably worse than that, probably like 430s. But it was one of those things where I started off with a lead pack thinking I could keep up and then really went downhill from there. I think I got like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it was like, I got hooked on it. But it was one of those things where I had no idea. I had no business, like, really being out there. But I just figured, why not, like, give it a shot and just, you know, everyone's got to start somewhere. So Yeah. Yeah. So then um, how long did it take you bef- from when – this is a question I get a lot is, like, so I've, I've ran a marathon, I've ran a 50K, like how long do I need to wait until I try my first 100 or do I need to do a 50 miler and a 100K? Like how much time was in between kind of like when you, so like when you ran your first 50K to when you ran your first 100? Um, definitely, I think the 50K was really early in the season. I think it was like June or July, which is like, I'd say probably June, but I didn't even think about a hundred for a long time. I knew that I didn't know that was a thing. Like people run a hundred uh-huh. miles enjoyment. Like what is, what's, <laughs> you know? yeah. I did a 50 miler at like the end of the next year. I think, I think I only did the 50 K that one year. And then 2019 uh-huh. was kind of more the year where it was like, I knew a better understanding of training and knew how to kind of get that, at least one or two long runs in a week, just depending on what job I had at the time. Yeah. And, it, and altitude wasn't a problem because I was living at 8,700 feet at a ski lodge. And then mm-hmm. they, I, I flew back to North Carolina and that's when I did the uh, looking glass 50 miler. And that was, that was an amazing trail. I, I think Tanawa Adventures puts that, puts that one on. And, that was I, I ended up winning that one, but I think it was mainly just because of the conditions. It was just downpour raining past mile seventeen. So it was just more of the mm-hmm. mental like who's gonna, you know, spend less time in aid stations or, you know, wait for that quesadilla to be grilled up kind of thing. I was I was kinda ready just to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know what that's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so 
throughout this, I want to uh, get a couple like audience questions and stuff. So here's one, um, kind of a general question. Um, <clears throat> Ronald Winkler says, how do, how do you approach your easy runs? Is it based on heart rate or perceived effort or something else? Definitely. Um, for, for myself, uh, for easy runs, I usually just, I like to kind of have a certain pace. It depends on how much vert I'm trying to get, or if it's just a flat, like, concrete run i usually just try to be like anywhere like from 7 30 to 7 45 to where i'm not overexerting myself and i feel like i could have a casual conversation with someone if someone was there and i usually don't try to mess around with heart rate too much it's kind of one of those things that what's really accurate versus other things i don't really have the the top band that usually have for like the more accurate stuff it's always been just a wristwatch so it really mess with heart rate too much but i feel like you have that certain pace you're trying to hit you're also looking at your watch too much so it's just one of those things where yeah i I don't even like to i like to map out where i'm gonna run don't even wear a gps watch just wear like a chrono just go easy and then nice well yeah what the chrono time is and kind of figure out the pace on strava (laughs) yeah that's awesome yeah i don't know that yeah i'm like so like into like um tracking all my like metrics and gps and all that like it would be it would be uh it would be tough for me to go out with no watch i don't know <laughs> it's, yeah and it's definitely tough because you're like wow i feel so naked right now yeah you're like what am i doing but it's yeah. honestly like there's a lot of and like so um i coach some people online and so what i'll tell them like some of them if they're starting to get like super stressed out about things like that or they're starting to have you know, a couple weeks in a row where we're not having uh, solid efforts and the work just isn't happening. Like sometimes I will tell them just no watch, just go out and just run for fun. Just run what feels good. Uh, and then come back and kind of tell me how it went. And every once in a while, I think sometimes you just need a little bit of a reset like that. Yeah. Oh no, totally. And that's how I feel about Strava. Like I mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. Like I love Strava, but it's one of those things where I'll see some of my buddies do kind of some epic stuff. And I'm yes. like, I'm not doing that. Like, so I try to go out oh, and hit some, yeah. you know, fill a kink somewhere and you're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, it's, 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 oh, I love Strava, but I hate Strava. Yeah. It's, I, I have the exact same, uh, thoughts towards it. The, like the FOMO fear of missing out. Like, it's just like, you see <clears throat> even people that you're like, uh, like for me, it's like people that like are my peers and everything. Like I'll be like, Oh man, he ran ten miles today. Oh man, maybe I should go a little farther. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, it's totally. like, yeah, it's like, uh, and then yeah, you see some of these guys like Jim Walmsley and stuff, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, you yeah, know, it's just, oh man, but, yeah, I hear you. So your first hundred miler, um, that was the Wasatch 100, right? How did that go? Yeah, tell me, tell me, like, um. Tell me, like, first, why you signed up for it, and then what were your expectations going in, and then kind of like, what did you, what did you find out about yourself, about hundred milers in general, kind of like, how did that race go for you? Because you did pretty well too. <laughs> it was, oh man, that was, oh, what an experience. Uh, I definitely have a funny little story about it. Um, yeah, I, awesome. Throughout the winters, I pretty much just backcountry ski and you know obviously do my little skiing inbounds too which is really fun but i really love the the workout for backcountry skiing 
And I remember sitting in my little dorm, you know, little dorm with two other people, two other roommates, and it's tiny, small. But I was on my computer, and I had put my name in for Wasatch in the lottery just because I just wanted to see what I could do. Um, a lot of people on my little team had really had done a hundred milers. So I was definitely just kind of interested in it. And I'd watched a ton of YouTube videos about them and stuff. And it was one of those things that seems to be people just kind of jumped into and just kind of saw the outcome. I mean, you can plan all you want, but I mean, when it comes to a hundred, sometimes just so unexpected. Right. I was, I was in the ski lodge or my room and, I was on my laptop watching the lottery video and you know, it's like a two hour video and it's just, Oh, it took forever. And uh, <laughs> I think like my name was one of the last like 30 to get drawn or something. Oh, nice. And I, I hear my name and I just shut my laptop face and I was just like, Oh God, you know, what have I been <laughs> to? So <laughs> I, I was still skiing. I hadn't done a, any running from that. Uh-huh. Uh, we just get so much snow up there. We got over 700 inches the year I was there and the road, but it's just, Oh, I just want to ski, you know, less impact and all this. And it was, it was really fun, but um, definitely it was time to hang up the uh, Dina ski boots and uh, definitely start running again. So I had a really good solid training block. I did speed goat in July, which I was still, I remember I was still skiing July 4th. So I had done running, but I still kind of managed the skiing as well, just as a nice cross train. And I, I did pretty well at Speedgoat. I got 13th, it was like a 628, I think. And that, that race is just, oh, Carl Meltzer is crazy. I mean, that race is just crazy grueling. And it's just so much climbing, like 12K of climbing. And yeah, I really, wow. right? yeah, for a 50K, it was, just, it was almost too much, but it was a, it was a competition. <laughs> and so I did that race and that was really fun. And I kind of had this because the Wasatch was in September, I believe. And I had a quite a bit of time from July to September. So I just, you know, was living up at altitude, 8,700 feet and would kind of go up, up beyond 10, 11,000 feet on a regular basis. So I felt really confident that my, my lungs were really going to be able to handle that, but it was all about leg stuff. I've never really done much strength work or anything. So I kind of had to incorporate that into my running as well. And Wasatch, Wasatch was great. I mean, for first 100, you should never have any expectations. You should just jump into it, start off really slow, especially when you have a 4,000 foot climb in four miles. <laughs> Why does that exist as a first climb? I have no idea, but it was good. I, I was holding about 13th place throughout the race. And, uh, I always give my buddy some crap because uh, we went off course about ni- mile 92 oh, and uh, we kind of got caught up with some other guys. It was, it was totally fine. At the, at the time I was pretty blown up about it, but I, I like told him, I was like, dude, it's my first hundred. Like, I just want to finish this. And I, I was actually about to quit at mile 67 until I come into Brighton ski resort to see my parents and all my running buddies were just there out of nowhere at like 2 AM. And I was oh. like, well, I can't quit now. Cause like, six of my homies are here. Like that would be horrible if I just quit right now and just thank y'all for coming, but I'm done, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I picked up my last pacer and, uh, James Finn, really, really nice guy. And yeah, we went off course a little bit mile 92 only for like a mile and a half. But by the time we got back on course, I was in 20th and I was just kind of like, I don't know if I can run. This is, this sucks. Why am I doing this? You know, even the last like 10 miles, you're still thinking to yourself, why am I doing this? And uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> thank God I was able to hold on and finish, but I, I got 20th and I think it was a uh, 25 hours, like 49 minutes, right under 26. But I mean, it was just an incredible experience. It was one of the oldest hundred milers too. So it was really nice to kind of uh, live in the Wasatch and be able to run the race that kind of goes through your ski resort. It was, it was really, it's just an amazing experience overall. It's kind of hard to explain sometimes just one of those, you, you know, you've done so many hundreds, you're just, <laughs> you're in the moment for so long and then you're done and you're yeah. like, okay, I need to lay down now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The laying down part is great at the end. <laughs> um, so what was that like um, when you went past like the farthest you'd ever gone and then you realized that you still had quite a bit left to go? Like, what was that like mentally? Was it kind of like, did you get down? Did you get like depressed? Was it like, did you even notice it? Or were you so like in race mode? Like, what was that like? Um, when you went farther than you'd ever gone before? So the, the farthest I went before that was 50. And uh, I, I just kind of had this realization that all you have to do really for hundreds is just eat a lot at certain times and then just move slower. So it was, it was especially with that much climbing, I think it was, uh, for, I think it was 25K climbing, 20K around there. That was, yeah. a, it was climbing. So it's definitely a slower pace throughout. Um, Definitely a big mental at mile 50 when I, I picked up one of my paces like right at Lambs Canyon, which is 47 somewhere in. And it was kind of like, wow, you know, like we still got another half to go. Like this is um, this is pretty legit. It, definitely mentally. I hit a big like mental bonk after that. That was just kind of one of those things you kind of go through. You you bonk so many times you feel like throughout and then somehow you go into an aid station and you get something to eat and then instantly you're just switched back around and you're stoked again. And that's, I just think that's pretty amazing how uh, the body just goes through so many different like changes during an ultra, definitely a hundred. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's, it's, it blows my mind every time I do uh, any ultra, but I mean, especially hundreds where you're just like, you can be like right on death door you know and you're like i i can't take another step and then you walk into an aid station like exactly like you said and then you get like something to eat and you get something to drink and somebody says you're looking great and then you're like okay i'm ready to run again <laughs> yeah yeah i know it's it's crazy just people people's cheering mixed mm -hmm. with all the food <laughs> right 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 oh. and i totally i totally get what you're saying about uh the uh climb at the beginning of wasatch because I did Run Rabbit Run a couple years ago, oh, and yeah. that starts off with a three thousand foot climb straight up a ski slope, <laughs> and so, yeah, and there's uh -huh. not even a trail. You're just going through. Uh, it's just overgrown grass. Like they're just like you go up that way, and you're like okay, <laughs> like everyone just spreads out. Like there's no trail. You're just going up the side of a mountain, and like the yeah. ski lift is above you. <laughs> definitely a so, couple parts like that during no business you know all this big yeah. like drainage. oh my god oh my gosh yeah uh yeah so moving in uh, towards I, like oh go ahead what were you gonna say oh no i was just gonna say i had a kick out of uh what you and russell and steven were talking about how there was that set where you keep looping in and out of the forest road and why am i taking yeah. the trail road right here you know? exactly exactly yeah there was some there are some fun, fun, like just interesting parts about that. That one was one where you're going in and out of the road and the trail and, uh, yeah. Oh. So, so after your, 
first, so after Wasatch, um, and then you eventually signed up for No Business. Um, did you take training more seriously at that point, or did you know, like, were you, because uh, you, I know that No Business like has a lot less vert, um, but you also improved your finish time by like several hours. Um, so were you taking this a lot more seriously or did you like, um, how'd your training change going into this race? It's, um, I definitely was kind of dealing with things from work, you know, working mm -hmm. for the, you're, you're out there working 10 hours a day and then you come back yeah. and I'm like, all right, well, it's time to go run now, you know? So it was yeah. definitely just consistent mileage throughout the week. And then, you know, a couple, one or two of those runs at moderate effort, you know, like a 12 or 13 mile road run at, you know, gaining like a thousand feet of road vert, but holding on to about that seven flat, 730 pace, which was, it was really nice just kind of going through the struggle of training and then always having a nice long trail run. I mean, one of the great parts about living there was I was literally within a mile of the Appalachian trail. So yeah. kind of like brought back those feelings of, Oh man, let's get out here and grind, you know, through the mountains and just kind of move, see how efficiently, yeah, efficiency played a huge factor and just kind of, I, I wore a pack throughout the um, Wasatch and I just, I felt like I was, I don't have a very big chest. I'm a pretty skinny guy. So it just felt <laughs> <laughs> like it weighed me down pretty often. So I was definitely wanting to try just the waistband, the naked running band uh -huh. I have. Yeah. Load that up with bottles and go with a handheld and really just see like if uh -huh. I have all the my hips and just, you know, see the transition of it. And uh -huh. I, I no, no business was definitely the A race. I only unfortunately got to race two times this year, plus an FKT attempt or FKT that I got. And that was, it was really nice. It was nice to not have like so much pressure of racing and, you know, COVID definitely, yeah. I didn't really want a chance with that. So I was, I was excited that no business was, I signed up for no business like four or five months before. And you know, you just have that thought of, man, this race is going to get canceled, you know, like in, it was nice that they actually played like a lot of uh, COVID factors into it, you know, made it a really safe race yeah. for everybody. And it was definitely the A race. So I just kind of, I didn't really do that many miles a week. I did like 50, but I was just hiking as a job, as my job. So I was getting stronger. It was all about yeah. just consistent running plus those long runs are crucial. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Cause like, so I had similar experience this past year of just a bunch of races that I was going to do get canceled. Um, and then no business. I didn't sign up until only a couple weeks before the race, like maybe three weeks before, four weeks before the race. Uh, and there was a wait list. They ended up getting everybody in on the wait list, which was great. Um, but uh, yeah, I yeah. Carl, Carl definitely uh, signed up last minute. I was checking that thing. Did he? The, yeah, he signed up like last minute, and I was like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> what was the FKT you got? Uh, I did the uh, Black Mountain Crest Trail from uh, Bowens Creek to Mount Mitchell. It's uh -huh. a pre pretty stout FKT. It's like the terrain. If you, I don't know if you've ever been to Black Mountain or Mount mm -hmm. Mitchell. But man, it is just the most rooty, rocky, just rock slab running. I mean, it's yeah. you, it's it's super prominent too because it's like one of the only ridges in North Carolina you can tag six peaks above six thousand feet. Which really, yeah, yeah. So you're, I mean, it was such a hard effort it was only like 11.2 yeah. miles but mm -hmm. it's just all out grind it's like seven seven k avert wow. but the vert 
it's just first four miles, you climb 4,000 feet. And it's actually that first four miles is really the only like true runnable section because it's trail. But then once you get to where there's just rocks and roots everywhere, you kind of go into a more small shuffle. So I, I mean, I was doing 15 minute miles through there while gaining, you know, a, a lot of good vert and it just felt like I was going nine, nine minute miles just because of how like fast I was moving through the terrain, but how hard the terrain was to truly catch a rhythm. So I yeah. ended up like two hours and 23 minutes. The previous record was held by this guy. He's got a lot of good FKTs. He's, he did it in 231 and I remember I got it by like six or seven minutes. So I, nice. I pretty good, but it was all about push. Nice. Well, that's awesome, man. Congrats on that too. Uh, we have it. a question for you from uh, age only a number. Uh, what about ski touring and cross country skiing makes it such great cross training for ultra running? So the, the main thing I usually say about ultra running and just, you know, doing a, picking a good cross training activity, the, the skiing in general, downhill skiing, your, your hips are going to get pretty strong, but you're not going to get any sort of, you know, you'll be at high altitude. So I guess your lungs will be feeling pretty good at that, but you don't get any true workout. I mean, it, I love skiing, you know, downhill skiing as much as anyone else, but it's just not quite the, the right fit, but cross country skiing or backcountry skiing is the best cross training I can think of. Cause I'm not much of a biker. It's just all about the uphill vert. There's no stress on the legs, your hips and just your legs just get so strong from it because you're constantly just going uphill. And mm -hmm. even when you're skiing down, after you have seven or eight K of vert in your legs, you have to like ski a quarter of the way down and then take a quick like 30 seconds to breathe because your legs are just, it's supposed to be the recovery is going down yeah. like, <laughs> just as much. And I, that's what I've always found all the great, athletes that I, I knew in Utah, especially my, my buddy Joey Campanelli. He just got the Nolan's 14 record. He got the world record this nice. year. He's, and that's what he does. He gets a million feet of vertical climbing in every year. And he's just, he's an absolute monster. He, yeah. So he just human powered vert only, no chair lifts. You know, he's just insanely smart when it comes to being in the backcountry and knowing avalanches. And that's always your, your really your worst case scenario while backcountry skiing you know, it's just avalanches and just checking the Avi forecast every day, make sure the danger rose is looking good. But yeah. no, it's just, you just get so fit. I mean, I just feel like all the faggots burn off your body because you're still burning a lot of calories out there, you know, the same as ultras, but you're not quite having to deal with the stressful impact of going downhill. Yeah. And that's something that uh, Killian Jornet has said that, you like many many times because every winter that's what he does um is he just goes up into the mountains and skis and uh he talks a lot about reducing the impact but still getting the same similar types of workouts and like you said your hips and your knees and everything just getting the the stress on them but not not the impact so mm -hmm. yeah i killian jornay i mean that is the best athlete to look at if you're even considering you know not quite like the skiing he does, you know, on some of that gnarly terrain, but definitely just yeah. see what it does to your body. I mean, oh, yeah, that it right. is wild. Yeah. So getting into so right before no business, like what you you talked about, kind of uh, like you used the naked belt 
and you put some bottles in there and you had a bottle, one bottle in your hand. Um, or, and then what other gear choices were you making? Like what kind of shoes did you wear? Like everyone always wants to know shoes. Um, any type of, any type of gear, like what did you, what did you pick for no business? And did you have like a reason for making those choices? I'm definitely, um, when it comes to trail running shoes, uh, Solomon seems to really, I, I choose the Solomon since ride series. Usually every time, whether it's a 50 K 50 mile or anything above, they seem to really have that series of shoe dialed down. And I'm kind of one of those people that's pretty superstitious about shoes. So it's yeah. one of the where I'm still buying the since ride ones just because of how cheap really? they are. <laughs> they still sell I, them? I love them. Yeah. They sell nice. them on like post for like 50 bucks. And I'm like, wow. Three pairs, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah. I love the, you know, Solomon. I mean, I guess just because of the whole lacing system too, it's really efficient. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Then again, you know, I've taken some some gnarly um, ankle twist with those things on and, you know, afterwards it's, it's not the best. And I'll definitely tell you a story later on about that. But yeah. I definitely, Naked Running Band's great. It doesn't sag. The more things you have in it, it kind of adapts to your waist. Mm -hmm. So there's, and sagging around, no bouncing motion, and I usually just kept a 500 milliliter bottle in the back, and then all my goos up front, so I didn't really have to wrestle around a lot of honey stinger waffles. But you know, I'm I like to do goos for about the first 40, and then I gotta stop because all that stuff slushing in your belly is not too fun. It's <laughs> what a weird texture, you know. But yeah, than that, it was. Um, I really like to go compression socks later in the race too to increase blood flow for for recovery and you know just to you need all the blood flow you can get in a hundred. But other than that, it was kind of just arm sleeves have worked really well. And I I don't know. Uh, I see you got a is that a Garmin watch you have on there? Right now, this is an Apple Watch, but I have a couple different watches. Yeah. Um, yeah I, what, I did you to, use a watch to, during the race? Yeah, I'm a. I like the Cento, the Cento yeah. Nine. Yeah. It's, it's a good. It's a good watch. It's yeah. um, a little pricey, but um, I mean, kind of one of those things where if you kind of want to know that extra stuff about what you're doing and stuff. It's it's definitely a key purchase. I yeah. think. Did that and, battery last you the whole time, or did you have to charge it? It, it lasted the entire time. Um, wow, I think the, nice. Messed with it a little bit because the vert was definitely off. It was like right. not even sure. 12k i think it was like 11.8 or something and the mileage uh -huh. was off and it definitely yeah. i don't know but it's just one of those things where uh the when i did first my first 100 i had uh two other Sunto watches that were they're like the spartan series so they were just super not like the best watch i would say so i constantly had to in 30 miles one of them would die so i put on the other one <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like oh i'm not really yeah. seeing any progress here you know so, yeah but other than yeah. that i think and the gear was great this time. It felt nice. me. I felt faster and more efficient. Yeah. No, that's a really good point about the waist belt. Um, I definitely, uh, I totally agree with that. Like when I go out on like certain types of runs, I'll just wear a belt. Certain runs, um, like with hundreds, like I always have a pack. Um, but that's just me and my pace. Um, but the Sunto Nine, uh, like I use that for. A couple different of my hundreds last year but it died after like 19 hours during one of them um so i was kind of like oh man so for the next one i brought a charger and like charged it like halfway through the night just to make sure but it charged super fast and like 
an hour and a half or something. So but, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It lasted you the whole time. Uh, what about like uh, crew pacers? Did you have anything like that for the race? Did you have drop bags? Um, and did you like uh, yeah? So crew pacer for you this race? No pacers. Um, mm. I was trying to get some some buddies, but uh, just you know, I probably let them know a little too late. For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those things. I was I was kind of nervous about that. I was like, man, I don't have a pacer or anything, and the Wasatch had two different pacers and seemed to go pretty smooth but i definitely just wanted to uh to really just have some genuine alone time with mm-hmm. myself my, my parents i mean my mom and dad are just they're incredible they uh they like to watch me suffer i think they get a little <laughs> kick out which is awesome so my mom and dad are, i've been at every out of the two they've been at both my 100 mile races and they're just you know yeah. I, my mom gives me that look especially no business i mean 80 that lasts like eight stakes i think it was 83 miles in or like there was like 13 miles I think left to go, so a little later in there, um, I started doing a little bit of hallucinating on that road before because those those markers, you know, you see like that real shiny thing on the bottom, yeah. and I kept thinking it was somebody's headlamp, and I was like, oh man, someone's catching me, so I was tripping yes. out. A those but, the little square on the bottom of the markers was so bright, it seemed <laughs> like it was a headlamp, and plus in the middle of the night when you're not really totally all there either. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. But they, yeah, they, they, they've been super supportive and my brother, my Grayson Barnett, he's in this chat right now. That's my twin brother. Um, nice. He's uh, everybody's nothing but supportive, supportive towards me. So I just, you know, it's just nice to have people to do that because it's for a hundred. I don't really like to use drop bags. I have no idea what nutrition really I need sometimes. So they come in mm-hmm. and, it would just kind of hand me stuff and it was, it was pretty efficient. There was definitely some parts where I would, I would usually come into the aid stations in, in first and I would kind of sit down, which is probably not the best option, but I was just at some parts there, I was just wanting someone to kind of catch up so I could kind of tuck him behind. Yeah. It was, Oh yeah. Sometimes trying to run by yourself the entire time, you kind of like lose the, the momentum you know, and you're like, oh man, I'm starting to slow down. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So let's get into the race now. Um, and I wanted to ask you, uh, what it was like lining up, uh, next to Carl Meltzer. Cause as we've talked, uh, you, like you said that you've looked up to him for, um, so many years and he's also like, Actually, I have his website pulled up because I wanted to show everyone this. I think this is hilarious. Um, on his actual website, it says that he's the <laughs> winningest 100-mile runner on earth. <laughs> so, uh, and then, like, just a couple other stats. Like, I just pulled some stuff from stuff from his website. I mean, this is just crazy, guys. Uh, he's won more 100-mile ultramarathons than any other ultramarathoner on earth ever. Uh, in 2016, uh, he set the Appalachian Trail FKT, which is 2,190 miles. He did it in 45 days, 22 hours, and 38 minutes. He held that record for a year. He's won Wasatch 106 times, Hard Rock 105 times, San Diego 103 times, and the list goes on. But he's won a 100-miler in 19 consecutive years. Um, so, Grant, what was it like <laughs> lining up next to Carl Meltzer? <laughs> It was uh, definitely mentally just 
total punch in the face. I mean, you're just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this this guy, like, he knows what he's doing. If I can just have a good, clean start and tuck him behind this guy and just try and just mimic what he does, you know, I just – Oh, it was, um, I remember looking on the website and, you know, I, I noticed I was kind of on that first position for a while of, you know, like the ultrasonic rankings, which don't really matter at all. But once I saw Carl's name pop up, I was like, I could pretty much have two reactions to this. I could get mad and just start cussing because I know I'm not going to win or <laughs> <laughs> accept this, you know, get some time, get some quality time with this guy in the mountains to just talk to him and figure out what his system is. And uh, I, I was pretty surprised. Like right before the race, I was talking to him and uh, he, he remembered me from Speedgoat. So uh, I think he oh, made wow. a little research on me. I'm not sure. I, I don't know why. <laughs> he, he, he ran away with it in the last 13. I'll tell you that. He, uh, he dropped the hammer on me. Yeah. And, um, forever humbled by that. It's Yeah. Yeah, I love um, – everything about him racing i was actually kind of uh a little nervous for him at first because uh me luke and him were running together and i was leading and we were all just right behind each other just he just he just does not talk like for mm. quite some i wondered about me. that because he's like like i i didn't talk to him or anything but i was watching him warm up and it was just like it was super serious like just game face on and um yeah so that's when I'm, like, did you guys talk much like before the race or, or then in those first couple miles, like what's he like, uh, when you're running with him? I talked to him a lot before the race, just a little yeah. bit. I was one and uh, I saw him and I was just like, yeah. Hey, I don't know if you remember, me, but, uh, <laughs> I did speed go, you know, last year and he was like, Oh yeah, you ran that 628. Right. And I was like, wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, that's nowhere near the winning time. I mean, people actually yeah. crush that. But no, he probably did some research on you because he's probably looking at Ultra Sign Up too, seeing how he's going to stack up. Yeah. <laughs> he's, oh, he was definitely, uh, oh, he's, he's wanting those wins. And that's what I yeah. love about guys. He's just, he, oh man, I, I didn't talk to him. We had some really good conversation before the race. And then, like, right when the gun went off, he just like puts in his headphones and was just like, you know, me and Luke were talking quite a bit. Um, and yeah, Carl would just, he just, he knew his pace. He would tuck right in third because he knew that this was going to be a long day. And it was, it was going to come down to, I think, who could really like pull off a good night run. And uh, I mean, I was leading until mile 40. We came into that aid station, 37 to 40. And uh, I remember sitting down and I was talking to my parents or actually just my friends that came out from uh, working at Ace. And um, thank God one of them had a headlamp because I actually like forgot to get my headlamp from my parents. Oh, and sure. and yeah. I was like, hey, let's have a headlamp I can borrow. <laughs> thank God they gave me one. But uh, Carl rolls up, and it was right after that that horse trail kind of mud stuff. Oh, man, that's, uh -huh. that was tough. But, yeah. yeah, he rolls in, and I was sitting down, and we kind of I kind of – chatted with him a little bit and I was like, wow, thank God somebody's finally behind me. I've been wanting to run with someone for like 10 miles now. And, uh, he looks at me and he goes, well, you got one now, you know, it was just real, <laughs> real serious. And I, I just loved it. And uh, after that, me and him just, he took out the headphones for a while and we just, we ran nonstop together until, oh man, like mile 80, at least, at least 80, I think like right at 78 to, to 80. 
and we, yeah, we had so many good conversations about other race directors and races and just good East coast races versus good West coast races. And he was just, I mean, he's the most humbling guy I've ever, I've ever met really when it comes to like ultras, but he still, he rides that fine line of I'm, I'm very good. You know, I'm, I've won <laughs> milers for a reason and I'm going to show you why, you know, yeah. it was, Oh, but yeah, we had some really fun conversations, especially late at night when we were both kind of trying to, find the trail we both didn't go off course which was i think he actually did go off course for a brief moment but i was lucky enough to not go off course and yeah he was just uh carl's the man and uh i'll tell to anybody yeah so was there like i've always like kind of wondered um like what it was like what it's like like right at the the you know the tip of the spear like at the front of the pack um and then especially with carl because he just like like I, I just feel like he's such a serious guy and everything. Um, was there like this underlying tone of this is a race and were you trying to keep yourself serious or was it just totally laid back or like how, like what was the like dynamic uh, underneath it all? Cause it was probably like, you know, there's chit chatting going on and you're running together, but in the back of your mind, were you, were you like keeping it real serious? And do you think he was, or was it, you know, how was that? We were very laid back. We were That's just yeah. a lot of good conversation. But in the back of, I think, both of our minds, we were both thinking, you know, he even told me at one point, he was like, hey, man, I don't know how long we're going to be running together, but we're not doing any of this uh, fist bump at the at the fish finish line stuff. We're not time for first. Someone, someone's going to win this race. It was, uh, it was oh definitely I'm glad I had, like, known Carl from Speedgoat and then the AT. <laughs> little bit and kind of talk to him online about yeah. stuff just you know because he was just oh man he definitely had the serious factor and i was very intimidated by him at yeah. many different parts but we, man i just i remember letting him pass me and i just tucked right behind him until i would i would kind of make a little bit of a break on the uphill sometimes we, we kind of just had this really good format of of running versus hiking and we he just he knew exactly how to pace it. And I knew that if I could just stay right behind him and feel good, then it, would, yeah. it was going to be a race. And yeah, that's usually how it happened is uh, we would be together and I'd kind of take the lead at a certain points. And I would always usually be in the aid stations first, but I would sit down and kind of, you know, reevaluate and just kind of take a lot more calories in. Cause I knew he was right behind me and I needed as much food and a little bit of rest as I could. But it, I mean, the dude was in and out of aid stations in 20 seconds. And he just come in, take both his bottles out, grab some stuff, put it in his, in his ultra spire, like pack. He had the waistband going on too. And yeah, he just, he efficiency at its finest. And I was just very fortunate to be able to pick his brain a little bit on hundred milers and how to really stay like efficient and still moving. Cause he just, he never sat down into blue heron. The second time he came back into blue heron, wow. And that was just, or maybe the first time, yeah, the first time. From and that Blue was Heron. that mile. So the first time mile, Blue Heron was 62, and the second time was 69, just for people yeah. to watch yeah. him. So, like, when you're saying that you guys were, like, right with each other, like, are you close enough that you're, like, within speaking distance, or are you, like, 20 yards ahead and behind? Or how, like, what was the dynamic there um, as you were, for the majority of the time you guys were together? I was right on his butt. I could have yeah. uh, 
I'll give him a nice butt slap a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was really good. I mean, we just were constantly passing each other. And I remember at one point, I think mile like seventy five. I was uh, running on his butt. I could tell he was struggling just a touch going up this climb, but, you know, I was uh-huh. too. We were both hard yeah. in the pain. I remember passing him, and I, I felt pretty good at this point, but my ankles were just shot. And he, like, to be a good old slap on the butt, and he was like, dude, you're killing it. You know, we're, we're, you're killing this. And I was like, no, dude, you're about to pass me. You just don't know it yet. Like, <laughs> it was just, oh, it was – that course, I mean, you know, people can say what they want about the vert of it, but – I mean, the East Coast terrain is just insane. I love the fall, but man, when all mm-hmm. those leaves are sprinkled on top of all those yep. roots and yeah. journey, yeah, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, and that's what like that's what I've told everybody too. It's like when you look at it on paper, like you look at the profile and then you look at the whatever, like it's it doesn't look like that intimidating of a race and it's definitely not the hardest race out there, but exactly like what you just said, like the fall, the leaves are falling, those East coast trails, like there's rocks, there's smooth, slippery rocks. Uh, there's moss on a lot of them, the roots and everything. I mean, it's, it was a tough, it was a tough trail. Um, (laughs) but like, so like eight stations, like coming in and out, like walk me through like what your process is. Um, do you have like certain things that you grab or do you grab just like anything that looks good? Are you trying to, are you thinking about calories? Are you thinking about uh, like, what are you thinking about going into the aid station and kind of how do you handle that? I usually, my, uh, my bread and butter seems to be a lot of the, definitely those cheese quesadillas late at night. I mean, those are mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> amongst the kind of the diced up potatoes that are just covered in salt. Yeah. So that worked uh, really well. I always like to get some soda, soda in the system too. That's always um, really nice. I usually try to stay away from like the the Red Bull and Monster Energy drinks kind of earlier in the day because I know it's kind of mm-hmm. got like method to it. But yeah, I would like go in and I would usually take, depending on the aid station, the earlier aid stations, I would go in and kind of just eat like uh, they had a lot of like pe- peanut butter and jelly quarter pieces cut out. I would usually always eat one of those, a banana and uh, usually take the banana with me. Cause I knew I'd probably takes a while to get started after you leave those aid stations later sometimes. Mm-hmm. And definitely would always take a banana with me. And my mom <laughs> would pack, she would make uh, peanut butter and Nutella sandwiches. And that was kind of a, uh, definitely a quick jolt of energy, which was really nice. Um, always potato chips. Uh, that's seems to okay. do the trick. Yeah, yeah, a lot of salts and just the stuff you don't really want to eat if you're not running 100 miles all the time. (laughs) You know, that's what I love about ultras. You can just eat like crap and it's great. Mm -hmm. So are you eating most of those? Are you finishing that food in the aid station or are you taking a lot of it to go? I usually um, finish them in the aid station. Later on, I usually would kind of grab a cheese quesadilla for the road, but... Earlier on, you kind of it's you got to be patient. It's just such a long race, and you can't like almost blew past one of the aid stations pretty early on, like mile thirty or something. And and I was like, okay, like why do I think I can just blow by this aid station and not eat anything? I need to go back and turned around because I was like point one away, and I just turned around and was like, that that was dumb. Like you know, you go back and get something to eat, and I'm glad I did because that was like the twelve mile stretch afterwards without an aid station, and it was yeah. That was a, uh, yeah, I 
I like to take my time for sure and have a seat for a second, you know, just rest up. Yeah. No, that's good to hear. Um, so how did you do during the night? Did you change up, uh, any of your clothes situations or, uh, anything like that? Um, cause it got down to 30, 32 degrees. There was ice on the bridges. At least when I was there, uh, there was frost, um, on all the rocks. And I mean, it was, it got really cold. Uh, how'd you handle the night? And it was very cold. And that was, um, I, I still had like my short shorts on and my sleeveless t-shirt with my, th- my, you know, my armbands until I came into blue hair in the first time, I guess a little over 60. And, uh, I knew I was, I was getting very cold, especially going across that bridge and just feeling all the, the wind come off the water and just hit me. I was, oh, and my ears were so exposed and I just knew yeah. I needed to put some clothes on, but I remember going into that aid station and I told my mom right away, I was like, Hey, I need to see y'all like real quick. So we like went over there and I got all of, uh, I put on the tights and the compression socks cause my ankle was in pretty bad shape at that point. And I put on like a beanie and like a kind of a base layer Dinafit that I would wear to go skiing. It was kind of a nice lightweight, but it had some, uh, some thickness to it and, and gloves. Cause it was, Oh man, it was freezing that night. And I remember, going into blue hair in the first time, uh, we had a, a family friend with us and I told him, I said, Hey man, just hold up this towel. I'm, I'm probably just going to strip naked in front of all these people. And I mean, we're just <laughs> butt ass naked in front of all these people. And I was just like, it was just tough. Cause I, there's no way I could put my leggings on over my shoes. And I was yeah. just like, off and I just stripped naked and I didn't care who told me, but I just, I noticed like Carl back there, like, you know, really, putting on his stuff too. And I was like, okay, let's put on our stuff while he's sitting down, you know, yeah, yeah. it was just, and it, thank God I did. Cause man, that, that last like 20 or actually just the rest of the night was just, it was really cold and like having to afford a couple of those, um, those streams, you know, that were a little higher. That was, wow. That was, yeah. um, definitely put you in your place. <laughs> How'd you deal with the wet feet? Like, were you okay with that or did it become a problem? The, the wet feet were good. Um, I had rolled my ankle at like mile 20 and uh, mm. that, that was really tough to kind of, every, every time I kind of go through something like that, I just have to like stop and walk for a second and just chug a bunch of water and just get your mind off the pain for a second. And the putting on surprisingly putting on like the compression socks really kept the, the ankle kind of in a position. And I switched my shoes to where I just put on a pair of the Solomon, I think since pro twos or threes, and that was kind of a beefier shoe. So that was just a little bit more support, which was really nice. But yeah, it was just, it was a tough, uh, it's definitely a tough transition, you know, going from like really short shorts to having to put on everything, yeah. still being cold is, oh man. No, I, t- yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I did the same thing. Like I put on tights and uh, long sleeve shirt and gloves and, put like a buff over my ears. Cause that was one thing that before I got the buff out, uh, I was starting to get a headache because of how cold my ears and like my forehead and temples were getting like, um, and it was just like, I was like, Oh man, if this lasts, if this lasts all night or if I can't get rid of this headache, like, uh, that was going to be bad. But once I put a buff on, it ended up being okay. But, um, Oh yeah. My, yeah. The ears were, Oh man, I, even with having like a big Carhartt beanie on, I was still just, I was frigid still. And it was hard to get moved, even warm up when you're yeah. having to cross dreams. Yeah. How'd you like the, 
Um, how'd you handle that last? Uh, it was maybe like, I want to say it was like mile 89 or 90 or something like that. Right after you leave an aid station, you kind of like descend down into this like little ravine. And then the actual trail was a stream for like half a mile or a mile. And you kind of had to keep getting in and out. And it was like just rocks. And like, there was no way you could not just run straight through this stream. Like, I mean, I I kind of like kind of rock hopped half of it but like during that section were you uh were you still in race mode were you still like going like full steam or were you taking your time uh through those more difficult technical rocky sections i was in survival mode at that point yeah. uh it's i was butt sliding off those rocks it was just yeah. and i told race director right when i finished i was like hey man like that was a really good course but why'd you take us down there like yeah <laughs> Like I enjoyed it, but like now saying I can enjoy that, but oh man, like I did not. Uh, it was it was a really fun like change, but oh man, those last couple miles just felt like forever. I was hitting like seventeen minute miles and stuff on that stuff, and I was just like, man, this is like this is yeah. tough. Like, I don't know, just the the whole change of scenery and the change of terrain and just everything in that riverbed that was. And like you really have to look out for like where you're going because mm-hmm. you're just looking for that next shiny little yeah. object. And no, yeah. I. And it was probably pitch black for you at that point, right? Because you finished in the dark, right? I finished at like uh, seven forty. So like at okay. when I finished, getting a little lighter, but it was yeah. at that point, it was pitch black. Yeah. And yeah, some of that technical junk that we went through in like the last like ten miles away from the finish. Uh, that was pitch black for you. For me, the sun was out, so I could pick my steps a little bit better. But yeah, I had the same reaction. I was just like, "Forget this. I'm slow walking through this, and I'm I'm yeah. not gonna fall. Like I'm not I'm not gonna like hurt myself like ten miles away from the finish uh, well, on this race." No, yeah, it was uh, definitely brutal, and uh, and especially like the last what is it two or three miles where you cross the that stream and then you just go directly up for like a mile. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, we yeah. lost all this just to gain it back like this quickly. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. The last like two miles before the finish is just like 600 feet down across the stream, 600 feet up. And then you get to the campground and you're like, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just got yeah. my dad was like half a mile away. So right when I saw my dad, I was like, okay, like let's push this because yeah. I don't know behind me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the part, you know, at least from the somewhat the front pack was just, you just know I, I ran that race thinking there was going to be someone behind me the entire time when I was in second. I was like, well, third's got to be right there. Yeah. So speaking of, okay, yeah, I, I kind of missed that part. I wanted to uh, hear your story about when um, Carl like made his move and left you. Because I heard the story from an aid station volunteer, uh, and I wanted to hear your take on it. <laughs> Oh, um, he, uh, I don't remember like the total, the totally the part of it. Um, I just remember I was with him and then at one point I just saw him blow right through like an aid station. He came in and just filled up his bottles and went and I just knew that I could not respond. And he, he dropped me pretty good on this forest road, like right before 86, 87 in. And oh man, it was just, what was the, what was the story you heard? Well, that's funny. That's funny because, uh, 
that's probably like exactly how you would have uh, like witnessed it being in the moment. Uh, one of the aid station workers was like, uh, they were like, they were they were like so proud. They were like, this is the aid station that Carl made his move, and like <laughs> they were telling everyone, and they were like, yeah, the guy that was in first came in and. Like he needed to sit down for a minute and then he wasn't looking so hot. And then Carl came in and he took a look at him and he goes, fill my bottle up now. And they're like, they're like, they filled his bottle up and he was out. There was like, he was only in here for 20 seconds. Like he saw, he saw the guy in first place and he made his move. That was a killer instinct. And they were like, they were like so proud that he made his move at their aid station. And it was like so funny to hear them all talk about it. Uh, yeah. Oh man. It was right at, yeah, I remember that now because I came in and oh man, they had a big old fire pit set up, and I was yeah, I grabbed a couple of those cheese quesadillas and they had me some soup broth, and I was <laughs> at that point, I pretty much new. I saw him come in after me, and I was like, I'm just gonna let him go. Like yeah. I can't. There was like a big uh, four or five mile stretch just on the road after that, climbing yeah. to the next day, and I just knew it from then. I was like. Yeah, he's he's gone, you know, like that was because uh, I had looked really good before then. And that was when he gave me the good old slap on the butt, you know, <laughs> stuff, and I just knew it. I was like, man, he's he's gone. And I remember getting to that aid station five, uh, five or six miles later when once you get on that road for a while. And my I asked my parents, I was like, hey, so when did uh, when did Carl come in? He was like, yeah, he came in like 20, 25 minutes ago. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. That's it. You know, that's yeah. <laughs> I, the second. Uh, I had really struggled on that road. That's when I started kind of hallucinating a little bit. Mm. Uh, I just felt see? like I, I felt like I was seeing a bear. Like every time oh, wow. I saw the objects in front of me, I thought uh -huh. it was like a bear's eye or yeah. like right on the side. Because I I've just been in so many encounters through hiking, uh, especially the AT. I saw like twenty five to thirty bears throughout that trail, wow. and it was. I just, oh, that's like my one thing when I'm doing those kind of races is pretty like remote. You know, you can get to the next aid station, but it's just one of those things where this is the unknown out there. Anything can happen. And I yeah. just, and I was seeing, you know, huge like 1,200 pound bears that were just, you know, staring at me as I ran by. And just, oh, man, I definitely heard like a couple coyotes and that kind of freaked me out a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, when you're out there on those roads, man, anything can go across, you know, the road and just kind of stare at you. Yeah. You know, it's like on both sides of the trees, and it's like if anything's looking at me right now, like you could probably come out and get me. Yeah, no, dude, I saw like as I was driving in for packet pickup uh, the night before, it had gotten dark before I got to the campground, and I'm across at like two separate times. There was a one bear right in the middle of the road. I had to slam on the brakes. Like, this is like two miles away from the campground. And then like uh, half a mile later, there's two bears in the road, <laughs> like a mom and a cub. And like, that was in the back of my mind the whole race. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, like, especially in the night, because I was alone. Uh, like I was running with a buddy for about the first like 40 to 45 miles. And then we split up. He went a little bit ahead of me and I thought he was like, good and like way ahead but we ended up we were found out later that we were really close like the whole time but pretty much like the last like 55 miles or so like i ran alone um and uh like how was that for you like once you like got on your own like was that kind of like tough like did your mind start playing more tricks on you or like you said you were kind of like hallucinating was it 
Like, how was that for you? It was, um, it was, I mean, once I saw Carl take off, I knew that there was probably no chance that I could really like reel him back in, especially I'd show up that aid session for <laughs> at least like 10 minutes. And I was yeah. just, uh, yeah, I was just trying to take in as much sooth, some of the soup broth as I could just to warm myself up. And no, I, I, I saw that come and I, I knew he was going to, you know, efficiently, he was going to see me and see, like, I couldn't hide it at that point. I was, I was dead, you know, (laughs) he was taking off. That's my thing. It's just running by yourself. You know, I train predominantly. I train alone when I'm not in in Utah, but it's just, I mean, out here, you know, I'm not running is so different than Mm -hmm. when you're out, you know, you, you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Like when you're running on the East coast on some of these forest roads, when, Kind of out west, you know, maybe if you're at night and there's a full moon, you can see the peaks and know that you're in an open yeah. area. But, you know, you're just constantly in vegetation and just the terrain just changes so many times. It's really hard to, to kind of like mimic each section when you're really just going through so many different types of terrain through sections. Yeah. So, th- yeah, I mean, once the hallucinating started set in, I, I got to that aid station and my mom was trying to ask me a couple of questions and I was just like giving her the like, blank stick just like oh sorry like what were you saying something you know like i just had no idea like what Mm -hmm. was like going on so it's just it was one of those things where i was like i'm just gonna try and hold on for as long as i can and whatever happens happens uh you know i still raced as hard as i could because you know i mean you've done so many hundreds you know how it goes it's one of those things where you can push as hard as you can but like once you've reached that limit of you can't really run anymore it you're in your mind you start playing tricks on yourself and you start saying well man like i mean someone's gonna be right behind you in the next five minutes and it's one of those things where i'm definitely glad the race wasn't more than 100 miles because i think luke probably would have gotten me if there was another 15 to 20 because he was like 15 or 20 minutes behind me at the the finishing time and i was like yeah he definitely would have gotten me and you know there fourth was going to be right there too so it's was, it was tough mentally yeah no so what was it like um like crossing the finish line like um like you said like if it would have been a little farther you might have got caught but were you like were you absolutely done where you did you finish strong like how did that go for you yeah right when i hit that uh that forest road where it kind of flattened out for a little bit after that ridiculous last climb uh I was going, I was like looking at my watch a little bit and it was like 6.45 pace. I was really just grinding and I was, my ankle was so shot and I remember seeing my dad and I was like, this means I'm almost there. So I just started like really cranking it out because I, I'm not going to be that guy who gets passed within the last point three of yeah. 100. <laughs> like I would just beat myself up over it. So I was uh-huh. definitely grinding so hard until I, went over that line and then I was done. I was, it, it's funny how your adrenaline just takes over like that yeah. for so long. And then out of nowhere, you're running 645 pace. It was, oh yeah. man. It yeah. Was tough. I should check what I was running at the end. It probably wasn't, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't 645. It felt like 645, but it was probably more like nine, eight thirties maybe. <laughs> um, so, had a question um, from Graham Angus. Uh, Grant, what's something you would do differently in your next 100? 
definitely don't sit down at a lot of the aid stations. Just kind of take the call approach. And I, you know, I really was enjoying the waistband he wore. I seemed to have everything there. Maybe I'll try and pick up one of those and kind of uh, just practice what he was doing. Just taking out bottles, giving them to somebody, picking the food I want out and packing it with me and taking yeah. off. Just less aid station time. And I, I knew that after the race, but it was just, it was one of those things where in the moment you're just like, I just need to sit down for a second. Yeah. That one in, I feel like I didn't really have like a too aggressive start, but I definitely had a start that I was like, I'm going to try and go out and lead for the first 40 just because I don't want to get caught up in the pack and having to pass people or, you know, mm-hmm. just how I was feeling for the day. I, I was going to know in the first 40 and felt great. So I figured that was a good, I think, I know probably if you, anyone hears all the start video, you know, it kind of saw me just kind of take off a little bit, but I, you know, I was totally in tune with what I was doing. Um, I just knew Carl was going to be super efficient. So I just tried to plan that off him, but now seeing the, uh, you know, the man in his true element, uh, I can come away with a couple of things that I saw from him that was, that can definitely take me on to the next 100. And I think possibly help me out with uh, another successful finish. Nice. So comparing your two, uh, I was curious about this because I get this question a lot. Like, what do you think, uh, what do you think is, uh, what do you think puts more like stress on the body? I've been asked a lot, like people that run really fast hundreds, but are only out there for, you know, 15 hours or something. Or like in your case, what was your finish time? It was like, uh, you got second place Uh, and what was your finish time? It's 20 hours and 36 minutes. Yeah. So Carl, I think I think Carl was only like maybe forty minutes ahead of you or something. Um, he was like nine forties. Yeah. So like, you ran a hundred miles in like close to twenty hours, and then your Wasatch, I looked at that time, wasn't that closer to like twenty eight or something? It's like twenty five. Twenty five. Twenty five. Okay. So what do you think? Like for you, like which one felt harder? Like being out there longer or being out there shorter and like, but running faster, higher intensity. Like, cause Wasatch was a lot of climbing. It was a lot of like, probably a little bit of a slower grind at some parts. Um, but then you had the up and down that was really different. So like when you look back at the two, uh, which one do you think was harder? I think, I think no business was harder. Honestly, I think, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Wasatch, I love, I love, you know, Wasatch 100 was a great experience, but you have some uh, pretty buttery smooth trails out there where you can kind of check out your surroundings and check out all these awesome views. But, you know, I mean, no business. I just, I felt like I was grinding throughout just because there was some great sections where you could pick your head up for a brief moment. But I felt like yeah. I was really trying to grind throughout and really see like how much time can I take off Wasatch's time, even though yeah. I knew there'd be enough climbing. But I think the terrain totally made up for the climbing just uh, mm. the amount of it was i think no business was harder i mean that's maybe that's because wasatch was my first but i mean there's some buttery smooth trails out there that you can really do some work on if you know if you don't have any sort of problem in 100 miles which is very tough but no business you're just constantly changing gears yeah. and so i i think no business for sure yeah and so that's, I wanted to ask you that too um, about like comparing them because Wasatch is one of those that like I would love to do someday, 
um, they do have a lottery to get in, so it's a little bit harder than just signing up for a race. But um, comparing the two, like, what are some of the differences and similarities that you saw out there? Uh, definitely Wasatch was some nice switchback climbs. You got to love those nice switchbacks that the West Coast have. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's a fun way to climb a mountain, but um, it's not really how uh, these folk believe it. I mean, it's just <laughs> East Coast is just straight yeah. up and straight down. It's just, it's just grueling climbs. The humidity, it's, mm-hmm. humidity plays a huge factor. Like you said, it was so cold that night. Mm-hmm. And it's not just cold, it's wet and cold. And that's yeah. even worse being like just cold in general. I mean, Wasatch was good, but I was able to wear the uh, the really short shorts for the entire thing without really having a problem with a short sleeve t-shirt on. And, but here, I mean, oh man, I, I couldn't imagine anyone trying to go out that entire night that, you know, we had it with like a short sleeve t-shirt on. I mean, that's just yeah. hype ages at its finest. So mm-hmm. I think just the amount of they're so different, you know, East and West right. is different. So it's just, it's, it's always hard to compare, but it's definitely one of those things that it's comparable. And I think the East coast is just, you know, weather can come in out of nowhere, depending on Wasatch, it rained for a while, but it, you know, quickly cleared up because you're, you know, at a solid 11,000 feet. So altitude plays a, comparison on the west coast but here it's just the climbs are more grueling they're slower you got you know all those nice rocks poking out and roots poking out of the leaf i love the fall but man i hated the fall after that race <laughs> yeah 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 i went on a trail run a couple of weeks after and i was just like i was just like oh my gosh like this it just took me right back to that race and that like anxiety of rolling your ankle (laughs) oh yeah yeah it's a yeah those leaves out there they're tough um so um like moving forward like what do you think uh what do you think do are you signed up for any races uh this winter or next year or anything no i um i actually just found out today which was pretty awesome that I'm probably going to be heading back to Utah really soon to uh, get a, another job out there uh, working at a ski shop. And um, I, I'm, I'm nice. very excited to take off some time. Uh, mentally right now, I'm not really sure what the next step for running was. I was, um, I'm pretty interested in Black Canyon 100K, but okay. um, yeah, I've got to get some serious. Uh, I'm usually not the, the type of guy that goes for those like flatter, faster yeah. trail courses. I, I knew no business was going to be great because I knew the East coast terrain and Tennessee. And I knew that it was, you know, I, I just knew the terrain. I knew it was going to be hard. I knew that it was all going to come down to getting in and out of aid stations somewhat quickly and just knowing how these mountains climb. But I definitely have my eye more on like some, some routes out there like definitely i want to do nolan's 14 sometime mm-hmm. in Colorado. i have too many buddies that do that and then they rub it in my face because i'm <laughs> i stay on the beaten path i guess i don't uh, yeah i don't there's a couple different you know the world is a really good route i've done a lot of sections of it but never have been fit enough to where i want to take on class five scrambling at night so that's a that's a tough one 
but I, I'm really enjoying these 100 milers right now. I at least want to try to get better at this distance while also getting some nice 50K for some flatter, faster kind of stuff. Uh, haven't done – officially haven't done 100K yet, so I would love to yeah. finally pop that one. Um, yeah, I just uh, – man, I'm just excited to go skiing now. I yeah. get my for a while. It's I've been thinking about this race for five months, and now it's finally over. You know, a couple of weeks that passed here, it was definitely tough to get out the door and start running again because, you know, you don't have anything in line. Just trying to stay in shape. Yeah, right, for sure. Yeah. So do you, like, are you more drawn to, uh, like, I guess if you had to pick, like, uh, one that you're, like, more drawn to, the type of trail, like the East Coast, Rocky stuff, or is it, do you like that more buttery stuff, uh, you know, the really, like, nice like open uh like not closed in in a canopy of forest uh what's what do you enjoy most what type of trails i like the east coast trails um yeah i mean the west coast can have their views i I love the west coast views i love the high altitude and you know how i don't really sweat that much after a run that's pretty nice (laughs) yeah a huge salt stain on your hat which is cool yeah but um uh, I, I think when it comes to more pushing, being able to stay at that front pack, it's it's got to be East Coast, the, the terrain I know, because there's some fast guys out there that are um, mm-hmm. fast guys out there now, and it's it's really tough to go to the West Coast and go to other places like you know California and even Oregon and Utah and Colorado. All those, I mean, there's just so many good athletes through there that can, on any given day, can really just lay the hammer down on you on a nice flatter or you know a race like not not quite like hard rock but you know but just a a nice genuine hard race that is more buffed out buttery smooth trail yeah i think when it comes down to the east coast i I think i kind of have a not a quite an advantage but for people who haven't been out here you know they the the vert says it all but it doesn't say it all yeah i was trying to i was trying to look up uh who has the record for the grindstone 100 um have you heard of that race in virginia yeah 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 the year i did it uh you'd like that race if you liked no business um avery collins won it um yeah but i can't remember who has the record out there i don't want to say i i thought i thought it might have been carl but i don't know um but yeah that would be that would be a good race they had to cancel it this year um but it's a hard rock qualifier so you'd probably like that one i would definitely love grindstone or uh i'm sure you've heard of hellbender yeah Mm -hmm. cool i like uh aaron Sapp is a really nice guy from like the mills river area near Asheville. so he's a he's a really good guy and there's a couple definitely some good other ones on the west coast i mean obviously i would love to run western states one day but that's just Mm -hmm. such Oh man, just the lottery system for getting into that. It was, yeah, it's, but the bear would be a really good one in Utah. Usually, when people do wasatch, yeah. that yeah. would be good. There's a new one. What is it? Bighorn 100 out in uh, I think yeah. Wild. That yeah. would be a lot of vert in that one. That would be fun. Yeah, I've heard some good things about Bighorn, um, the bear, all that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really good races out there. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So here we go. Ryan 
Morarity uh, says Carl Meltzer has the record at Grindstone 17 13. Oh, man. Wow. So he ran Grindstone quicker than no business. Yeah. Do you know the uh, the vert on that one? Yeah. Grindstone's vert is 23,000. Wow. It must be something about, it must have been something about the night, I'm thinking. Because the trails, I don't remember, like for me coming from Indiana, grindstone like the whole thing just seemed like i was running on rocks <laughs> um <laughs> but uh <laughs> i don't know i guess maybe i guess maybe it was a little bit maybe it was more runnable maybe it was a good weather year that he ran it in i don't know but there were some of those climbs i mean like two thousand foot climb uh mm-hmm. several times throughout the race so you're like going uphill for a long time <laughs> no business i think the biggest climb was like 600 feet yeah, it was. You hit yeah, that a few times, but they were quick. Yeah, they were. They were definitely. Um, you would know it really quick when you were about to do one of those climbs, too. It kind of just. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, all right, well, here we go again. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, Grant, thank you so much for joining me. Um, where can people find you, uh, like, um, uh, on the internet? Like, are you big on, like, Instagram or Facebook, or do you have a website? I know, actually, I know the answers to these, but. You can say them. <laughs> so um, I'm not quite sure. I think it's grant.run is my website. My brother is very supportive of this and made it for me. But where I'm usually at is um, Instagram, just run with grant, one word, pretty simple. You know, and um, I like to get on Twitter some. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure like what my username for that is, but my brother takes it over again. So it's just yeah. one of the I just, I don't know. It's um, It's really nice to kind of, meet people like like yourself you know on social media and then you kind of uh have these genuine conversations about you know mountains and different races and stuff so i just you know i appreciate you uh having me on man it was it's a treat awesome yeah well i'll make sure i'll put your website in there runwithgrant.com uh in the description and uh yeah there's a bunch of links there that people can find you and connect with you um but yeah thank you so much man for just being willing to come on and uh just connecting uh just like super cool to hear um because a lot of people that follow my channel like it's all right well thank you guys so much for joining uh this was such a fun conversation uh just getting able to hang out with grant even though it was you know we were probably a couple thousand miles apart we were connecting over the internet uh thank you so much for joining and listening to this uh just such a fun conversation to hear about his perspective of this race that i just did uh you know we had uh we had different views of certain areas uh some of the places he was running through the night i got to see there in the daytime and vice versa um so once again thank you to grant if you want to check out uh more about him i'll leave a link down in the description below that it's his link tree that goes to all of his social media links and all of that uh, and also his website uh if you want to uh watch the video episode of this podcast go over to my youtube channel which is also linked below and if you're interested in supporting me the channel the podcast the best way to do so is to click that join button on my youtube channel Uh, just a few bucks and it helps support a whole lot. So with that said, thank you so much uh, for joining me on this episode. Uh, Just really, really pumped to start putting out these weekly episodes on the podcast. And uh, yeah, if you like it, check me out on Twitter, send me a message, uh, comment on one of my videos, Uh, just reach out in some way. And I try to respond to every single comment, Uh, all the nice ones, at least. (laughs) 
So uh, with that said, thank you so much. And I will see you guys again soon. Bye. Bye.